This episode of the MedBullet Step 1 podcast will go over the topic of anti-anginal therapy from the cardiovascular section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 50-year-old man presents to the emergency department after experiencing chest pain. He describes the pain as pressure-like that affects the sternum and radiates down the left arm. Medical history is significant for hypertension, hypercholesterolemia, and type 2 diabetes. He smokes one pack of cigarettes per day for the past 20 years. On physical exam, the patient appears anxious and diaphoretic. An electrocardiogram demonstrates an ST segment elevation in leads V1 and V2. Cardiac troponins are sent. He is given aspirin, nitroglycerin, metoprolol, clopidogrel, and unfractionated heparin. The cardiac catheterization lab is activated and the cardiologist is consulted. Now let's get into the episode. So as a quick introduction, anti-anginal therapy is appropriate treatment for acute coronary syndrome that must be instituted immediately in order to limit myocardial damage, decrease the risk of complications, and restore the balance between myocardial oxygen supply and demand. Now let's talk about NSTEMI and unstable angina. So as a quick introduction to these entities, NSTEMI and unstable angina are managed in the same manner. The goal is to provide anti-ischemic therapy, which restores the myocardial oxygen supply and demand, and anti-thrombotic therapy, which prevents further growth of the partial thrombotic occlusion. Medications to treat NSTEMI and unstable angina include anti-ischemic therapy, anti-thrombotic therapy, and anticoagulation therapy. So starting with anti-ischemic therapy, examples include beta blockers like metoprolol, nitrates, for example, nitroglycerin, isosorbide mononitrate and dinitrate, and calcium channel blockers like verapamil and tiltiazem. So starting with beta blockers like metoprolol, the mechanism is to decrease sympathetic drive to the heart. This promotes myocardial electrical stability, decreases myocardial demand, and decreases cyclic AMP. Remember that beta blockers also improve mortality in patients with an MI. Contraindications to beta blockers include bronchospasm, decompensated heart failure, and hypotension. Moving on to nitrates like nitroglycerin, isosorbide mononitrate, and dinitrate, the mechanism is venodilation that reduces preload to the heart, which reduces myocardial demand. Remember that a reduction in preload reduces ventricular wall stress. The mechanism of nitrates also includes coronary artery dilation that improves blood flow to the myocardium. Remember that venodilation is way greater than arterial dilation. Nitrates also increase cyclic GMP, and remember that arginine is a biochemical precursor of nitric oxide, and supplementation of this amino acid may have a role in augmenting the treatment regimen for chronic stable angina patients. Remember that nitrates are contraindicated in patients taking vasodilatory medications for erectile dysfunction, for example, sildenafil. In terms of adverse events, nitroprusside can cause cyanide toxicity, development of tolerance for vasodilating action during the work week, and a headache may result from vasodilation of cerebral arteries. Finally, moving on to calcium channel blockers like verapamil and diltiazem, the mechanism involves reducing heart rate and cardiac contractility, but remember this medication is reserved for patients unresponsive to beta blockers and nitrates or have contraindications to beta blockers. This is because calcium channel blockers do not provide a mortality benefit. Moving on to antithrombotic therapy, let's talk about aspirin and P2Y12 ADP receptor inhibitors like clopidogrel and ticagrelor. So the mechanism of action of aspirin is that it's an inhibitor of thromboxane A2 synthesis. Thromboxane A2 is a prominent promoter of platelet activation 
and remember that aspirin improves mortality and should be continued indefinitely. P2Y12 ADP receptor inhibitors like clopidogrel and ticagrelor work by preventing ADP from binding to the P2Y12 receptor, which would normally further activate platelets. Finally, let's talk about anticoagulation therapy, like unfractionated heparin, which works by binding to antithrombin to enhance its effects, and it also inhibits factor 10A. Now, let's talk about ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI. As a quick introduction, STEMI suggests that there is total occlusion of the vessel. Thus, the main goal is to induce rapid reperfusion via percutaneous coronary intervention, or PCI, or fibrinolytic therapy. Patients are also given medications such as those used in NSTEMI and unstable angina, such as aspirin, unfractionated heparin, beta blockers, nitrates, and PTY12 ADP receptor inhibitors. Now, let's talk about reperfusion therapy. So primary percutaneous coronary intervention is the preferred method for reperfusion and must be performed within 90 minutes of the first medical contact. Aspirin and a P2Y12 receptor inhibitor is given prior to the procedure. Fibrinolytic therapy, for example alteplase, is performed if PCI cannot be performed within 90 minutes or is unavailable. Remember that fibrinolytics convert plasminogen to plasmin, which degrades newly formed clots. Finally, let's talk about some adjunctive therapy, such as angiotensin-converting enzyme or ACE inhibitors like lisinopril and statins like atorvastatin. ACE inhibitors provide a mortality benefit and prevent ventricular cardiac remodeling and reduce the rate of heart failure. And statins are HMG-CoA reductase inhibitors that lower cholesterol levels. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 60-year-old man presents to his primary care provider with throbbing headaches and facial flushing. The patient also has long-standing exercise intolerance. He quickly becomes fatigued and short of breath just walking across his driveway. On examination, bilateral pitting of the lower extremities is observed. After reviewing the patient's medications, his physician recognizes that there was a recent dosage error. What is the mechanism of the incorrectly dosed medication? And the choices are 1. Binds beta-1 and 2 receptors. 2. Increases levels of cyclic GMP in vascular endothelial cells. 3. Inhibits angiotensin-converting enzyme. 4. Inhibits sodium-potassium ATPase. And 5. Inhibits sodium-potassium chloride symporter. The correct answer to this question is 2. Increases levels of cyclic GMP in vascular endothelial cells. So this heart failure patient received an incorrectly dosed prescription and had side effects of headache and flushing, which points to nitrates as the culprit. Nitrates work by increasing levels of cyclic GMP in vascular smooth muscle cells. Endogenously, vascular endothelial cells produce nitric oxide, which helps convert GTP to cyclic GMP through guanylate cyclase. Organic nitrates, such as isosorbide mononitrate, need to be metabolized into nitric oxide. On the other hand, nitrates like nitroprusside directly release nitric oxide spontaneously. By triggering smooth muscle relaxation, the effects of nitrates include vasodilation, decreased preload and afterload, and decreased cardiac oxygen consumption. Indications for nitrates include angina-slash-MI, heart failure, and hypertension. Side effects of nitrates, for example headaches, cutaneous flushing, dizziness, and tachycardia, stem from the vasodilatory action. 
Of note, tolerance to nitrates can occur with frequent usage and necessitates using the smallest effective dose with the regular dosing. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1 binds beta-1 and 2 receptors is the mechanism of nonspecific beta blockers such as carvedilol. A possible side effect is an exacerbation of COPD due to the antagonizing of beta-2 receptors. Selective beta-1 blockers, for example metoprolol, are less likely to result in bronchoconstriction. Answer 3 inhibits angiotensin converting enzyme is the mechanism of ACE inhibitors such as enalapril. ACE inhibitors prevent the formation of angiotensin 2 and help decrease fluid volume. A common side effect is dry cough. Secondary to increased bradykinin, this side effect can be avoided using an angiotensin 2 receptor blocker. Answer 4 inhibits sodium-potassium ATPase is the mechanism of cardiac glycoside such as digoxin. The buildup of sarcoplasmic calcium results in increased contractility and decreased heart rate, so they are primarily used for heart failure and rate control in atrial fibrillation and flutter. Manifestations of intoxication include GI symptoms, for example diarrhea and vomiting, hyperkalemia, arrhythmias, and xanthopsia. Answer 5. Inhibits sodium-potassium chloride symporter is the mechanism of loop diuretics such as furosemide. Loop diuretics act at the thick ascending loop of Henle. Side effects range from dehydration and metabolic alkalosis to hearing loss and hyperuricemia. Effective at reducing fluid volume, loop diuretics are indicated for edema, for example heart failure, ascites, and pulmonary edema, as well as hypertension. To leave you with a bullet summary, nitrates, which increase levels of cyclic GMP in vascular endothelial cells, can have side effects of headaches, dizziness, and cutaneous flushing. Moving on to the next question. A 54-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with a 10-month history of intermittent chest pain. He states that the pain occurs when he is walking in the mall and improves with rest. He reports that the pain feels like someone is pushing on his chest, but it does not radiate anywhere. His past medical history is significant for hypertension, but he is not currently taking any medications, though he occasionally uses sildenafil for erectile dysfunction. Based on these findings, his physician prescribes several medications but states that one of them must only be used if he stops taking sildenafil. Which of the following is an important drug interaction for the medication described in this case? And the choices are 1. Arginine supplementation augments its effect. 2. Bronchospasm is an important side effect. 3. Chronic use decreases uric acid excretion. 4. Rare side effects include clotting and thrombocytopenia. And 5. St. John's wort would decrease its effect. The correct answer to this question is 1. Arginine supplementation augments its effect. So this patient with activity-related chest pain most likely has stable angina and was prescribed a nitrate. Arginine supplementation augments the effects of nitrates, and thus they are contraindicated in patients also taking vasodilatory medications for erectile dysfunction due to the potential for excessive venodilation and hypotension. Nitrates such as nitroglycerin, isosorbide mononitrate, and dinitrate function by increasing the level of circulating cyclic guanosine monophosphate or cyclic GMP. This leads to selective venodilation, which reduces myocardial demand by decreasing preload to the heart. These drugs also result in modest coronary artery dilation, causing improved blood flow to the heart. However, the venodilatory effects are much more significant than the arterial effects. Arginine is a biochemical precursor of nitric oxide, and supplementation of this amino acid may have a role in augmenting the treatment regimen for patients with chronic stable angina. 
These drugs are contraindicated in patients taking phosphodiesterase inhibitors, such as sildenafil, because the combination can lead to synergistic increase in cyclic GMP levels. Excessively high cyclic GMP levels can result in uncontrolled venodilation and circulatory collapse. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, bronchospasm, is an important side effect of beta blockers because beta-2 receptors are responsible for smooth muscle relaxation in the airways. Beta blockers decrease myocardial demand by decreasing the sympathetic drive to the heart. Answer 3. Chronic use decreases uric acid excretion is a characteristic of aspirin due to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug inhibition of autoregulated kidney tubular function. Aspirin is an antiplatelet agent that improves mortality in patients with myocardial infarctions. Answer 4. Rare side effects include clotting and thrombocytopenia describe heparin-induced thrombocytopenia. Heparin is an anticoagulant that decreases the risk of thromboembolic events. However, patients should be monitored for the development of this rare side effect. And finally, answer 5. St. John's wort would decrease its effect describes any drug that is regulated by cytochrome P450. Warfarin is the best-known cardiac medication that is regulated by this mechanism, and warfarin can be used for long-term anticoagulation. To leave you with a bullet summary, arginine supplementation would increase the effect of nitrate medications in patients with chronic stable angina, potentially causing excessive venodilation with hypotension. Moving on to the next question. A 60-year-old male presents to the emergency room complaining of substernal chest pain. He reports a three-hour history of dull substernal chest pain that radiates into his left arm and jaw. He had a similar incident two months ago after walking one mile, but this pain is more severe. His past medical history is notable for hypertension and hyperlipidemia. An EKG demonstrates nonspecific changes. Serum troponins are normal. In addition to aspirin, oxygen, and morphine, he started on a medication that generates endothelial nitric oxide. Which of the following is a downstream effect of this molecule? And the choices are 1. Guanylyl cyclase activation. 2. Cyclic AMP production. 3. Prostaglandin synthesis inhibition. 4. Beta-1 adrenergic antagonism, and 5. L-type calcium channel inhibition. The correct answer to this question is 1. Guanylyl cyclase activation. So the most likely diagnosis in this patient is unstable angina. Nitrates are a class of anti-anginal medication that venodilates by generating endothelial nitric oxide, thereby producing cyclic GMP and relaxing vascular smooth muscle. In this patient with multiple vascular risk factors, substernal radiating chest pain, and nonspecific EKG changes, an acute coronary syndrome should be suspected. Specifically, this patient likely has unstable angina, which is characterized by angina without ST depressions and normal cardiac enzymes. Nitrates are a commonly used class of anti-anginal medications that cause venous dilation by generating nitric oxide in endothelial cells. This results in the activation of guanylyl cyclase, which converts GTP to cyclic GMP. Cyclic GMP is a second messenger that has multiple functions. One, inhibits calcium entry into smooth muscle cells. Two, activates myosin light chain phosphatase. And three, activates potassium channels. These changes all contribute to smooth muscle relaxation that occurs primarily in veins. Venodilation causes pooling of blood in the venous vasculature, thereby decreasing cardiac preload and reducing myocardial oxygen demand. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, cyclic AMP is formed by adenylyl cyclase-mediated conversion of ATP, and it is not regulated by nitric oxide. 
Answer three, prostaglandins are a diverse set of lipid-derived compounds with pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory functions. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs inhibit cyclooxygenase, thereby decreasing formation of prostaglandins. Answer four, beta-1 adrenergic receptors are localized to the myocardium. Agonism of these receptors promotes increased contractility and heart rate. Beta blockers are often used as antianginal medications to slow heart rate and decrease contractility. And finally, answer five, voltage-gated L-type calcium channels are located on vascular smooth muscles and cardiac tissue. Calcium channel blockers antagonize these channels, resulting in a decrease in vascular smooth muscle contractility and AV node conduction velocity. To leave you with the bullet summary, nitrates are antianginal medications that promote venodilation. They generate endothelial nitric oxide, which subsequently activates guanylyl cyclase to produce the vasodilatory second messenger, cyclic GMP. And moving on to the final question, a 73-year-old man presents to his primary care physician with chest pain. He noticed the pain after walking several blocks, and the pain is relieved by sitting. On exam, he has a blood pressure of 155 over 89 millimeters of mercury, heart rate is 79 beats per minute, and temperature is 98.9 degrees Fahrenheit. The physician refers the patient to a cardiologist and offers prescriptions for carvedilol and nitroglycerin. Which of the following describes the mechanism or effects of each of these medications respectively? And the choices are 1. Increased cyclic AMP for both medications. Answer 2. Increased contractility and decreased endothelial nitrous oxide. 3. Decreased cyclic AMP and increased cyclic GMP. 4. Decreased cyclic GMP and increased venous resistance. And 5. Increased heart rate and decreased arterial resistance. The correct answer to this question is three, decrease cyclic AMP and increase cyclic GMP. So carvedilol is a beta blocker that exerts an effect via decreasing cyclic AMP. Nitroglycerin is a nitrate that exerts an effect via increasing cyclic GMP. Beta blockers, nitrates, and calcium channel blockers are commonly prescribed anti-anginal medications. Beta blockers decrease cyclic AMP levels, which lead to decreased contractility, heart rate, blood pressure, and myocardial oxygen consumption. Nitrates increase cyclic GMP levels, which lead to dilation of veins and arteries, with venous dilation more significant than arterial dilation. This leads to decreased preload, left ventricular and diastolic pressure, and myocardial oxygen consumption. Calcium channel blockers inhibit voltage-gated L-type calcium channels, which lead to decreased contractility, sinoatrial node conduction, and myocardial oxygen consumption. Zanger et al. review the management of stable angina. They note that decreasing coronary artery disease risk factors can cause improvement of anginal symptoms. Modifiable risk factors include hypertension, diabetes, serum cholesterol, obesity, and sedentary lifestyle. Arnold et al. performed a randomized control trial to determine the efficacy of ranolazine, an anti-anginal medication, in patients with diabetes mellitus and stable angina. They find that the number needed to treat for anginal symptom improvement is 11. The number is decreased in populations that are taking two versus one additional anti-anginal medications and in patients with more severe anginal symptoms. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answers 1 and 2 as well as 4 and 5 are incorrect as beta blockers can decrease cyclic AMP levels, contractility, and heart rate, and they have no significant effect on cyclic GMP. Nitrates cause increased endothelial nitric oxide secretion and no significant effect on cyclic AMP. 
They cause both venous and arterial vasodilation, with venous dilation more significant than arterial. That's all for this review about anti-anginal therapy. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 1 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.